This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. How's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune, back with a new guest today, Ken Lewis, the CEO of a corporation that I'm sure many of you guys are familiar with, but in case you aren't, Appmex, which is the largest precious metals dealer in North America. Ken, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to, to speak with you today and, and, and kind of give you a chance to share your thoughts with my viewers. Uh, getting right, right into it right here at the beginning, uh, I wanted to I ask this to pretty much all my guests, but but get your take on on the current state of, of the silver and gold market. Now, you know, beginning in November, we kind of saw in retrospect silver and gold bottoming out, or at least for time being, it remains to be seen, bottoming out after a very rough second half to 2018. And since then, they've rallied somewhat. Again, they're kind of stalling out with gold, you know, just north of, of 1300 uh, silver kind of in the mid $15 range. I wanted your take from, from somebody that has a handle on, on the markets and, and certainly the demand side of it, the retail demand. Um, what's your take on it, given uh, the, the the Fed pivot and, and economic worries, as well as uh, where they're in relation to, to other popular assets, such as the stock market, the real estate market, and the bond market? You know, I tell you, look, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, we don't give financial advice per se, but, you know, I do a lot of reading. Uh, I'm sure being in this industry, as you can, as you know, things change on a dime and you got to be really up to speed on what's going on in the market. You know, I, I personally feel like uh, this could be a great year for precious metals and for a few reasons. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, the, the, the S&P and the valuation of the equities markets are at close to all time highs from a multiple standpoint. Um, and, and, and people have to be concerned about whether or not that could continue in the next, uh, 12 to 24 months. You look at uh, the Fed and, and their recent, like you mentioned, a kind of reversal of course. They, they, they stopped doing interest rates. Matter of fact, there's even a possibility you could see them start to drop it back down again. Uh, I think that's a sign that they're concerned a little bit about inflation. They're concerned about whether or not our country is going to grow at the levels they were initially anticipating. Uh, and then you just add the world dynamic. I mean, what's going to happen with Brexit? What's going to happen? Um, with Venezuela and their economy right now, look at the central banks that are just, you know, growing their gold deposits because they want to be off the U.S. dollar as a, as a, as a vehicle. Um, it just seems to point toward a good year for precious metals. Um, and I think it started off that way. We, we had a solid six to eight weeks there and, and frankly had a great back half of last year. Um, and it slowed down a little bit. And, and my personal belief is I think people are becoming a little immune to the equities markets and the dips that it takes because it qu quickly recovers. Um, and I think we're going to have to see some sustainable um, and, um, decreases in the S&P. We're going to have to see, um, you know, a little bit more events have some 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 uh, sustainability to them in general. And I think then you'll start to see precious metals. I mean, all you have to do is read the analyst reports, right? A lot of them are out there are predicting gold to be 1350 to 1400 bucks by the end of the year. Uh, and some people have forecasts that are much higher than that. Um, I, I do think it's a good year to be in metals. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think it's really, uh, regardless of what asset we're talking about, stocks or, or metals or otherwise, it's always good to do a, a 
risk versus benefit analysis. And and when you look at the stock market right now, could it go higher? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's been a lot of people, including myself, who in the past have said, there's no way it's going to go higher. And that was, you know, 2017 or, you know, early right. 2018. And yet, you know, it, it has gone higher. And yet the the upside certainly seems limited. And the downside, if, if history tells us anything, it looks to be maybe a little bit higher. And, and you know, certainly the opposite for silver and gold. If, if you don't have to be a hyper uh, hyper bullish on silver and gold to at least realize that, the downside, I would say, is pretty limited, and, and the upside is is not too bad either. Uh, now, you, you talked about price predictions. You talked about the media and analysts kind of uh, talking about silver and gold more uh, as of late. Uh, now, that's nothing new. Uh, I think many financial advisors, many mainstream financial analysts talk about keeping you know some percentage of your portfolio in precious metals. 2%, 5%, 10%, et cetera. In fact, I even saw an article, I'm sure some of my, my viewers listening uh, saw it as well, that CNN ran an article recently titled uh, something along the, lines of, along the lines of how much silver and gold should you have? And, and I saw that as surprising um, to see silver and gold being talked about in the mainstream again. Right. It's not very often that that happens. And yet, when, when they did give their recommendation or when, when they brought it up, they uh, they almost uh, mocked maybe those of us that, that choose to buy physical, you know, comparing us to Scrooge McDuck, which... I think many of my viewers uh, <laughs> view themselves as Scrooge McDuck in many ways. But instead, they said, "No, that's a hassle. It's you're much better off just buying the the paper option, uh, SLV and GLD." And, and don't get me wrong, there are some benefits to that. You, it, it's you know, I guess easier to buy if, if you already have an account set up with some sort of a brokerage. Uh, they have little to no premium. You know, very liquid as of right now, and yet. There is a, a fair amount of people that like the physical. So, what advantages are there, in your opinion, to physical silver and gold, and why? Or maybe a better question would be for for what type of individual does it make sense to go through the you know quote unquote hassle of buying physical silver and gold? You know, it's a great it's a great great question, and and I, I we look at it as you know, Atmex is pretty much all physical. Uh, we've launched a new product called One Gold. I'm going to go into in a second here. That is more on the digital side. My view on the physical is, you know, it's kind of nice having assets that are kind of offline. Um, you know, when you mentioned earlier about having a position in metals in general, I'm going to backtrack here a little bit. Um, the reason why you want metal in your portfolio is simply for um, diversification. You know, all you have to do is go back to 2008 and look at what the, the stock market did and how metals performed inversely to, 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 to the stock market. Having that balanced portfolio makes a lot of sense for everybody. And when it comes to physical, there's some beauties of it because a lot of times it's offline. It's something that um, you you can keep track of on your own. You can physically have it in your hands. If you're concerned about the financial systems and the challenges that might come with that, as we all remember, the banking industry's had some major struggles back uh, in the late 2000s. You don't, you're not tied to that. You're not worried about that. The value of it tends to be very predictable, um, more so than, you know, what if the dollar all of a sudden had got deflated and, and lost 10% of its value, things like that. So, so it has a little bit more predictability to it, if you will, in terms of how it's going to perform. Uh, and probably many would argue less risky. Now, I'm saying that some people bought gold at $1,700, $1,800 and probably going, what was I thinking at that time? But um, as long as you didn't put all your assets in the gold, you're probably okay because the S&P then performed well and, and your portfolio performed the way you would, you would hope. Um, but getting back to physical, 
you know, our belief is it's it's a pretty low cost of ownership. Um, granted, you know, it's always concern about, um, you know, metals. There's a cost of ownership, you know, which is, you know, interest expense out there. But what you get out of that is you get the comfort level of knowing that you can, um, you know, you can have that in your hands and you can decide to, to liquidate that, that whenever you want and you control your own destiny, if you will. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, attractions to that. I know I personally own uh, about five percent of my assets are in physical. I've got another three to five percent uh, in digital. I just think it's a it's a smart move to be in metals at a minimum. And not to mention, by the way, when you talk about paper, I mean all you have to do is go research how paper doesn't always trade to the to the to the price of metal. It can trade at discounts. It can trade at premiums. You got the management fees that come to that. It's a pretty it's a pretty uh, unpredictable. Uh, element when it comes to what you're going to be paying per year to to own that as well. Yeah, and and you know in regards to to the big ones, the SLV or the GLD, uh, I, I don't want to be presumptuous and and say without a doubt that maybe the physical they claim to back it with isn't necessarily there. But yeah. if if you have any doubts about that, I, I think those those doubts will be confirmed if we ever do get in a real you know financial yeah. uh, stress in the markets where people start to realize. Um, yeah, SOV, GLD, it's a great way to get exposure to the markets. Right. But it, in many ways, it's you don't get the benefits of, of you know, physical silver and gold. And, and it's very difficult to redeem those for actual physical silver and gold. Uh, basically impossible for, for most uh, average investors. Now, you talked about one gold there, um, the, the more cryptocurrency uh, side right. of, of gold. Uh, maybe you can expand a little bit more on that and, and kind of compare it to... Uh, cryptocurrencies, which have been very cryptocurrencies as a whole. I'm talking about the Bitcoin, the more fiat-based yeah. ones right. that have been very popular here in the alternative investing community over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, what what advantages do physical silver and gold, or even digital uh, uh, gold, offer versus uh, traditional cryptos? Yeah, look, crypto cryptos primarily um, they didn't have an intrinsic value. There's nothing backing them. You're gambling, and when they were going up and up and up, everyone wanted to get on the train, and, and many people made money on it. Um, but then, obviously, but still, it never reduced the fact that it didn't have anything backing it. It had no intrinsic value, if you will. There are some stable coins that are coming out that are tying themselves to, to precious metals, which I think is the right direction. But the other problem with crypto is is regulatory issues. You know, are we going to have to pay? Um, Taxes on them are they legal? Um, how do you how do you manage, if you will, the profits and loss? It gets very confusing uh, for consumers, and and frankly, I think the SEC at some point is going to have to provide some clarity on that. What we did with One Gold is we loved though the user interfaces for crypto, how easy it was to go set up an account to do AML online to be able to link your bank account and be able to actually make quick purchases and have instant liquidity uh, whenever you need it. And so we tried to apply that to the gold business. And so our product actually is product that's stored at the Royal Canadian Mint up in, uh, up in Canada. It's on a blockchain, so we have visibility. Permission-based blockchain, so it's very, very safe and secure. At all times, metal backs up any investment. So we actually buy the metal, we put it on the blockchain, the Royal Canadian Mint acknowledges that we own that, and then we assign our ownership to consumers. Um, and so, so if you're a consumer and you want to do $50 of gold each week and do dollar cost averaging, you go on, you set up your account, you can pay with credit card, or you can link it to your bank account. You tell the system, I want $50 in gold every Friday. It executes for you seamlessly, and you're able to take a growing position and get the benefits of dollar cost averaging. Something like that is very difficult to do with physical because I got to ship to you products every week. You got to go pick which products you want. Does it round out to the dollar amount you want and all those other challenges that, that come with that? 
Um, and, and the most important thing about digital is it's very low cost. Um, so, you know, you're talking about fees that are cheaper than GLD. And more importantly, we offer the ability online to convert all of that to physical anytime you want. So kind of the way I look at it is if you're going to if you're thinking about owning paper, you should definitely look at one gold. I don't think it's meant to replace physical. Matter of fact, we've had very few Atmex customers become one gold customers. But if you're looking to take a broader position in metal where you want instant liquidity, then why not give it a run? It's so easy to use. It's so simple. A couple clicks and you're off and running. And, uh, and the feedback we've gotten from consumers is they're just over the top. And we do believe we're going to be able to offer a yield product eventually as well, which I think is very important when you're talking about cost of ownership of, of metal. What if you can make 50 basis points a year just by having it sitting in, in, in you know, at the Royal Canadian Med um, and have no fees? It is possible and it's something we're looking to launch in the near future as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you already kind of answered my question there that I knew a lot of my viewers would have is, can you redeem it for the physical? Now, as you said, you know, maybe a lot of traditional physical customers won't because they, well, right. they're buying the physical for a reason. Right. Um, but, but that is a nice, you know, uh, contrast to, to many other products out there. Now, you brought up uh, uh, passive income or, or a yield on, on that. Uh, on those metal deposits. Can you kind of expand upon that? And, and do you see this as becoming maybe a broader trend within the uh, precious metal space? I know I've heard some other people talk about this in the past, that this could be a big, I guess, key to to really making gold and, and silver a little bit more attractive for investors. Well, first and foremost, I think the user experience has got to be clean. Um, and, you know, an average person, I got a buddy of mine, he's a Mensa guy, a very smart guy, calls me up and says, what metal should I buy, man? There's just so many options out there. It's confusing. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can feel your pain. I talked to him about spreads. I talked to him about certain brands. And, and ultimately, he made a buy. Where One Gold or some of the digital products, I think they are going to make it a lot easier to get in the metal, just like the ETFs have shown. But also give people the confidence that they can always convert it to physical. There's an independent blockchain verification of their balances. They have that security, that comfort. They can deal with it right on their mobile device. It's just very simple for them. And I'm hopeful that that's going to spread the interest in metals and probably even help the physical side over time as people convert to physical or as they look to have a little bit of physical and a little bit of digital. Um, but back to your point about passive, the reason we're able to offer yield down the road and while people are going to look at this more and more is there's a cost of ownership that companies like Atmex face when we own metal. Uh, we have to borrow money from banks or mines have to borrow money from banks, but they have physical metal physically sitting there. What we tend to do is we do things like metal leasing, where we go out and we basically sell our metal uh, back to a bank and we pay a rate for us to have that privilege. Well, why not allow the customer to own that metal rather than the bank? Um, and, and if I'm paying an amount of dollars to a bank, I'm more than willing to pay an amount to the consumer and they can have the same protections and security. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Security that the banks are being given today. And I think that's what you're starting to see more of is, is consumers that have metal that are looking to borrow against it, but are able to offer that to the retail public at, uh, at cost and, and even with yields that no one thought was possible several years ago. 
Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really good answer. I know uh, as as soon as you bring up borrowing against metals or borrowing to banks or I know some of my viewers their red flags are going to go up and, and by no means is this for everyone sure, uh, sure. No. <laughs> I mean most of my viewers are the physical type and, and they're going to be you know that's myself as well you know um, but this is not you know by any means a a, a fringe idea or or a um, an idea that necessarily will devolve into to some sort of a uh, deep financialization of the gold market where everything is under i mean that's how thing is that's how it is now is is largely uh derivative based and, and this could be very different in fact you know there's there's some prominent figures here in the community that my viewers may be familiar with that um have talked about in the past the, the idea of of lending or borrowing against your own metals for you know some some purpose and, and i don't think it's necessarily a bad idea not for everyone but i just want to put that out there um uh, before yeah, well you guys well, Matt, the one thing I would say to you is is there is an opportunity where one day if you own digital metal, you can be allowed to borrow against that. It was kind of like when you go out and you take a second mortgage on your house, but we all know the paperwork they make you go through to be able to obtain those funds. Uh, I can make an argument that if you have a gold position that's in a secure facility that's 100% confirmed, wouldn't it be easy to borrow against that if you have to borrow money? But that's not really where I was going with my conversation earlier. Where I was going was there are companies like Atmex where I have $100 million in inventory sitting in my vault downstairs that's secure and segregated at all times that one day uh, consumers could own that metal and I'll pay them to own that metal because it's cheaper for me to do that than to go pay a bank interest uh, to obtain cash to run the business. And that's and that's just a, it's a different angle and it's something that I do think is going to become more mainstream. But as you mentioned – Physical buyers tend not to be digital buyers. That's just a fact of life. Uh, physical buyers want to control their destiny. They're in it much more in terms of the long term. They're not looking for a quick buck. Um, they're looking at portfolio allocations. And, and we very much make a ton of money and, and do a lot of business with those type of buyers. And we're very happy to support them. We, we do over we've done over ten billion dollars of sales in physical. We get over one point five million customers. I very much believe in the physical side. But for those that are looking to own paper to take a broader position in metal, but they don't want to take it long term, I do think a digital offering could be something that they would need to think about. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the whole idea of storage, it's easy for us to uh, uh, be comfortable with throwing it in a safe in our own house or something. But when we're talking about people that are putting potentially millions of, right. of dollars into something like silver and gold, um, it becomes a, a storage issue in terms of space, but also, you know, safety. And that's why I think a lot of, of the... Uh, I guess high rollers sometimes choose that that option. Now, moving on, uh, a, a different metal that we haven't discussed yet is is palladium. It's sometimes called the other other white metal because I think maybe platinum's the other white metal. Right. Um, now, it's been on fire lately. You, you've seen silver and gold rally somewhat. Platinum remains pretty low, but palladium has rallied significantly as of late, mostly on uh, uh, supply concerns. Basically, it's a very constrained market in terms of supply right now. Now, I was wondering if you could give your take on that. Uh, and, and, and you know, what does this tell us in terms to in terms of other physical markets, such as silver and gold? And, and is this a bit of a precursor for something to happen in the future with silver and gold, uh, some sort of a supply constrained uh, move up in the price? You know, I, I think it's probably a reach um, in certain ways in that palladium is most of its needs are in, industrial. And, um, and then you look at what the industrial needs are with solar and, and other technologies that are leveraging the metal. Um, I think what you're finding is, is just supply wasn't keeping up with uh, with demand there. And that's what's caused uh, the massive increase. 
consumer investment in palladium is next to nil. It's it's a very small amount of business uh, for a company like Atmax. And uh, and what I've even been reading lately is is palladium's costs are skyrocketing. They're starting to look at options like platinum because platinum can offer some of the same conductivity things that palladium does. So I think you're going to see that palladium will right size itself at some point in time. Other options will be explored as its costs go through the roof. Um, and, you know, when you think about supply, I, I don't think silver is going to have any supply issues anytime soon from what I'm hearing. Uh, but I do think gold has some interesting possibilities um, as we look to the future and we look at consolidation in the mining industry. Uh, I do think you could start to see uh, gold from a supply standpoint start to have challenges at some point in the future, which can be very good, obviously, for its price. Yeah, I mean, uh, in in regards to gold, I mean, not to oversimplify it, but the fact of the matter is that you have, you know, central banks uh, really become a, a larger and larger space in in the uh, physical side. Um, you have that retail demand from the U.S., from from India, from China, and elsewhere. Um, but then you also just have longer term secular trends like, uh, you know, maybe a decline in, in ore grades or maybe some of the, the higher grade mines or ores uh, being being mined out. And of course, the world's population is always ticking up. And so, you know, that that's a, a really broad, I think, oversimplification of the state of the gold market. But um well, I think it's I think it's fair, and, and you're also seeing countries like the U.S. starting to really clamp down on on responsible sourcing and having an accurate supply chain, um, knowing where the products are coming from, and, and and so I just I think gold from a supply standpoint has has much stronger possibilities than say something like silver, um, to where eventually you can start seeing demand outstrip supply. Well, I mean that's a great point in terms of the United States, and the U.S. is obviously very rich in. And a whole variety of natural resources, and yet I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these mines, these mm-hmm. mining companies, choose to do business in a, a dif- different country, partly right. on the basis of you know uh, less regulation, or they you know um, you know something along those lines because of of you know environmental regulations or otherwise here in the United States, even cost of labor, uh, things like that, come into uh, consideration. Um, now, another thing I wanted to, to ask you about. I think this comes up from time to time in this uh, community. My own viewers ask this from time to time is the topic of counterfeiting. Now, unfortunately, as technology has improved, we've seen, uh, I think, better and better counterfeits coming out of primarily, I would say, the East, um, you know, China and whatnot, but you know, I'm sure elsewhere as, uh, as well. Now, what do you uh, and AppMex as a whole do to, I guess, prevent counterfeiting? I mean, how can how, how can my viewers know that when they buy from AppMex that they're getting a genuine, you know, Chinese uh, silver panda or American silver eagle or, or sure. gold bar? Well, first and foremost, I, I would tell you that um, I believe it's now three people are on the staff at AppMex that have more than 10 years experience looking at uh, collectible coins. We actually teach a course at the ANA in Colorado Springs every summer where AppMex is actually teaching the class on counterfeiting. Uh, I think we're one of the few companies that can say that, uh, definitely in the retail space. Um, and, and so we take it very seriously. We, we have what we call an apprentice program. I think we have roughly five people that are apprentices right now that are learning and learning about the products and studying at home. They actually have to take tests. Um, but, you know, outside of counterfeits from a uh, um, from an authenticity of, of, of the product, you also get into metal content. And there are technologies that are deployed in companies like Atmex that we actually do on any secondary market buy, any buy, we actually scan every single piece of product. 
And we also buy kilo bars. We won't resell those. We actually send those off because the technology doesn't work as well on kilo bars as it does, say, on a one-ounce coin. So we use things like Sigma Scopes. Um, we use an X-ray machine. Um, I can't remember the name of the brand on that, but but there's a multi-step process that we actually scan all the product coming in because the last thing we want is any counterfeit product getting out to consumers. At a minimum, let's make sure the metal content's right. And then our secondary piece is to let some of our skilled and experienced numismatists take a look at the product to make sure it's uh, it's legit. Um, one of the things we've seen, and, and I'm sure um, your listeners have heard about, is China has, has become just a source of a significant amount of counterfeit. And a lot of times what they're doing nowadays is they're putting it in, in the slab materials, whether that be bars, whether it be, uh, be graded product, you name it. They're actually putting it in original packaging to try to make it look uh, more real. Uh, and we, we are very cautious of that. We still scan the products um, through the plastic, but we also have done a lot of work to try to understand the packaging out there uh, to see if we can detect from a packaging standpoint when there's counterfeits as well. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen, you know, maybe not those uh, specific uh, numismatists, <laughs> uh, but but others, you know, out there, you know, somebody will put up a, uh, you know, in some different Facebook groups, they'll put up a, you know, a, a well-known brand, a, a prospector, for example. And uh, sure enough, people have pictures of, of what they've looked like over the years. And if they don't match one of those, it, you know, it's probably, you know, fake or I'd have it checked at your local coin dealer or something like that. But, yeah. but you know, I want to ask that just to kind of give my viewers an, an idea of, of it can be a tedious process, I'm sure. Um, and yet it's uh, it's it's in the buyer's best interest. And it's certainly in your guys' best interest because the last thing you guys would want is is some, some fake metals to get out there on the market uh, and have your name on it, I guess. Yeah, and Matt, recognize yeah. we sell over 20,000 products. So, I mean, one of the things I always tell consumers is obviously be careful who you buy from. Uh, shopping on eBay, buy from a certified seller on eBay as an example. If you go into a coin shop, Make them test it for you while you're in the store. Um, you really need to be careful who you're buying from, uh, especially on the collectible side where the value of the product is not always tied to the, to the value of the metal. You want to be extra, extra careful to make sure that's truly authentic. And, and buying from companies like Amex can give you that comfort that you're getting the real thing. Oh, absolutely. If it uh, looks too good to be true, it probably is. And, and you know, I always I bring up eBay because it can be a good, a good outlet for some people to buy. Uh, precious metals and then Appmex as well as many other dealers sell on there. And yet people have this idea that's maybe, you know, 10, 15 years old of, of what eBay looks like, but it's very different today. And it's, it is. can be a very trustworthy place to, to buy your metals. Now, you know, the final question I want to ask you here is, is in regards to, to physical uh, retail demand in the space. And, and you certainly would probably have one of the best pulses on it, at least in, in North America. Could you give my viewers kind of a, some broad generalizations on what types of events or conditions in the markets um, have led to these larger spikes in demand that sometimes can be reflected in the price, uh, including uh, stock market volatility, um, geopolitical events, elections, or, or even just price action within the silver and gold markets? Well, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, obviously, uh, precious metal, metal buyers tend to be buyers on the dip. Um, so any downward movement in metals on a given day will, will clearly drive demand. 
Um, you also see, like like you kind of covered, there there are events in the markets when the equities markets struggle over a couple of weeks. Uh, we see an increase in demand um, when you know there were some some issues with North Korea and 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 the U.S. You know, people look for stable stable investments and and alternative investments, and we see increase in demand there. Um, you know, one of the things I think it's um, it's been interesting, and I think is now more a direct correlation too, is is the dollar. You know, when the dollar's a lot stronger. We've seen that precious metal demand tends to be impacted by that. Uh, a weaker dollar tends to be very good for precious metals. Um, and that's something we're definitely seeing a, a correlation on in the last six to 12 months. Um, as the dollar weakens, we, we've definitely seen an increase in, in pickup in, in physical demand. Um, the other thing that I think is also driving the market more so than, 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 than uh, historically is the availability of secondary markets, silver and gold. Um, what you have is you have some consumers, and, and I don't want to pigeon, pigeonhole anyone, but you have some big deep pocket investors that might have been, uh, let's just call them Republican. And when Trump got in the office, they become much more comfortable with, uh, with the equity markets. Well, they've now liquidated that position. Uh, that metal is now circulating. It, it makes metal that's a little bit cheaper than what it had been previously for consumers to buy. And so that makes it a buying opportunity as well when companies like ourselves can offer really attractive pricing on product. Uh, it's definitely of interest out there. So um, I think, uh, you know, I think the elections coming up are going to be interesting down the road here as well and what that might do um, for, for physical demand. But, um, you know, but those are really, you nailed most of them. Those are those are the key points to focus on uh, for sure. Watch the dollar, though. I think that's one that's really come up of late. And, uh, and then clearly, you know, the secondary market where, where pricing is a little more attractive, that can sometimes generate some, some demand for, for all companies. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, the, the election. And again, not to get too political here, but uh, I, I oftentimes see that as a, a, at least a, a big part of, of why um, North American uh, uh, silver and gold demand has slumped. Uh, mm -hmm. Since since 2017, I think, you know, you had a lot of people that, yeah. you know, their guy was in office. Maybe they were buying because the other party was in office in the first place. And once their guy's in, uh, they, they can throw it in the, the stock market or elsewhere. They, they feel as though everything's going to be fine or they don't have worries about the economy, uh, the markets, their job. Um, and I think that's short sighted, you know, regardless of, of political views. Some of these things are. Right. Cross party lines. It, it doesn't matter who's in office at some point. Yeah. Um, some of these same problems still exist. Um, and you brought up the dollar there as well. You know, that's uh, certainly, I think, a timely thing to keep in mind. It, it seems like a no brainer when the dollar goes down that silver and gold is maybe going to catch a bid, but also uh, can drive demand. But we, we are, you know, in a, in a period here, which I would consider a, a pivot a, away from hawkishness towards dovishness by the Fed, which has right. historically been dollar bearish so so certainly no. that's good news if, if if for you guys but also good news for those of us that that watch these things uh, uh closely yeah i think you're right and and you know when i when i made the comment about the elections you know the bigger thing we've seen uh, our order counts at atmax are as high as it's ever been um what we've seen is the deep pocket investor has kind of migrated to other options and um you know, you can imagine, you know, in our best year, Atmex did about a billion two in volume uh, in a year. And where we've seen our biggest impact is the guys who spend called over $50,000, over $100,000 on a single buy. It's those types of buyers that are not buying right now. 
And um, I think over time, as 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 uh, things change politically, as things change with the equities markets, I think that type of buyer becomes a little bit more interested again in precious metals. And so, you know, the dollar volume is definitely down for the majority of the industry, if not everybody. But the the interest, the transaction counts are still very high. There's still a lot of interest, and I think people are learning more and more about precious metals. Um, we do look forward to the day, though, where the deep pocket person comes back into the market and wants to own some additional metal. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, building on that, first of all, that's that's interesting. I, I wasn't aware of that. And I think that says a lot coming from a uh, company that is is as established as, as Athmex, um, uh, a company that I'm sure sell plenty, sold plenty of silver and gold during you know, 2014, 15, 16, when, when demand was much, much higher, that the order count is still fairly high. Um, but but then you're also talking about deep pocket investors, uh, you know, for those that were have been around long enough to remember the the rally in silver back in in uh, the early '80s with uh, the Hunt brothers and when they cornered the markets. Now I'm not, not I'm not necessarily saying that that's what um, these deep pocket investors are attempting to do, but when you have this a little bit more spread out than just uh, one family, in the case of the Hunt brothers, it becomes much more difficult for uh, you know the regulating agencies or otherwise to um, uh, uh, stop those efforts. You know, Hunt Brothers were they, they it was going pretty well until some of these rules changed were changed on them, which ultimately foiled their their plan, whether it was to corner the market or to to pr- uh, protect their wealth. But um, when you have it spread out among uh, uh, multiple uh, very wealthy investors, then that's a little bit of a different story. There's no doubt that metal is more mainstream today than in the 80s. Um, and, you know, it, it's something that I think those days are, are done. And I don't think those days are going to continue. It's really about people diversifying their portfolio and seeing precious metals as a legitimate option. And then it's just a debate. Do they have paper? Do they have digital or do they have physical? And, um, you know, and our job as retailers is to give them, you know, options and let them choose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ken, uh, thank you for, for joining me today. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, leave my viewers with before we uh, wrap this up? Look, we, you know, at Atmex, we, we really pride ourselves on great service, great selection, great pricing, a combination of the three. And uh, we appreciate the listeners and, and the commitment you have made over the years to, to our brand. And uh, and we hope you'll take a look at One Gold at some point as, a, as an alternative. If you're ever looking to own paper, I think it's a great alternative to that. So we appreciate the time and I look forward to coming on again sometime. Sounds good, Ken. Thank you. Take care.